podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. People ask me, Nikki, are you a value investor or are you a growth investor? The reality is that I do believe that I am a deep value investor. But then again, my concept of value might be different from you. Because if you think about this, uh, you could question, how how am I a value investor when I'm paying a a ludicrous amount? Like, explain your winners this year, example. One of my winners this year has been Beyond Meat. Paying a 2 to $3 billion market cap during that time, you would have thought, that's insane. That's not value. But um, I think this goes against the rules, and yet I do see the reason why I bought this. Number one, of course I would have wanted to buy it at one to two billion dollars, but I couldn't because I was I was not Leonardo DiCaprio. I was not Bill Gates. So from the onset, I knew that there was gonna be a premium that I had to pay if I wanted an industry that was disrupting the meat industry. Or take, for instance, let's assume that you have a great product. Your sales this year is $600 million. You are not yet profitable, but you've got $800 million in cash because although you are charging a monthly subscription rate, you are also investing around $100 million for your staff. So um, which company am I talking about? Slack was IPO, well, it's not really an IPO, they directly listed, meaning they just listed. They didn't care if, um, they didn't want um, your money. They wanted to list. Venture capital ca- capitalists did not have any lockup. And the venture capitalists were able to list at 26. It reached as high as 38.5. So, at 38.5, I think Slack fetched as high as $20 billion market cap. Uh, then, of course, it fell down. I was looking at it, and I was telling myself, you know, I want this business, but if I wait so long, can I get it at 26 or, or below? Like, I'll be happy if I could get it at $10 billion market cap, which was around $20. The low of Slack this year has been $22. Um, that's a little bit $11 billion market cap. But, um, you know, I could understand, and I understand why you might say, oh, but that's not value. Uh, you're not really a value investor. It really depends because uh, I think my concept of value is if I'm buying a product today that's going to be used, which I can see a path, you know, a company doesn't go from $10 million, let alone a million dollars worth of sales, to $600 million without customers liking the product. 
loving it and spreading the word out. You don't go from 2014 startup to 2019 directly listed IPO in five years without generating buzz. So Slack is something that I knew even before it was directly listed. Um, it's it's like this uh, example. Maybe if you were a top graduate before, you'd have applied, if you were in the finance industry, you'd have applied to Goldman Sachs or Bank of America, which today traded about eight times multiple, seven times multiple. But today, Goldman Sachs has to buy payment firms, payment startups like Paytm. Or uh, example, um, this hasn't been listed yet, Stripe example, Stripe payment. Stripe payment is essentially finance, but applied on technology. Uh, the top grads of today would work for Stripe, not for Goldman Sachs. And that's something that you have to realize. If I'm a top developer, I would work my platform in Slack, not in Microsoft. And there's like 450,000 of them. And these 450,000 are one of the early adopters ever since last started, which was 2014 as a beta. I mean, I studied the history. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm evangelizing a company. I know the profitability. No, I'm not saying that. But you could argue that uh, I could argue why I, you know, I can rationalize to myself a 1.5% position, which I do have. I have a 1.5% weight on this. And I could be wrong, uh, maybe over time, we'll see. But I try to be disciplined in the sizing. Um, maybe you could argue, hey, where's your stop loss and everything. You know, sometimes I tell myself, well, you know, I'm, I'm wearing the team flag, and I really want to see the next 12 quarters of this game play out. And 12 quarters is about three years, meaning if next quarter they give me a good reason to add, Maybe I'll add. So I might buy next quarter when I seek more clarity. Uh, what price it is, I would check. I don't know. Um, it's not a very technical decision for me. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more of I need to know the traction. I need to know are the customers um, telling their companies to adopt it. For instance, like a company like Flexport, has 10,000 suppliers. So if those 10,000 customers are now believers in Slack, they'd probably tell the rest to use Slack, and that makes it sticky. You don't go from zero to uh, around, four, I think they have 13 million users or 12 million users. Um, you don't go from nowhere to 12 million, remember that. Um, Shake Shack didn't go from nowhere to somewhere in a in a jiffy. It took about 15 years. Uh, 15 years for them to become a company listed four years ago. It took time for people to see that, hey, this company is a better burger chain than McDonald's. Um, is there value at $95? I don't think so. Even if I am seeing the growth, a burger chain is a burger chain. And I don't want to pay a skyrocketing PE ratio when 
your growth is already priced in. Meaning, sure, I understand. Maybe if I could get you at 40 to 60 or probably $70, that would be better. But I see that you're not a company that I should sell. That's all that I know. You are not going to be sold down if you're expensive, if you are deserving of your premium. That's what I had to learn over time. Um, so value is in the eye of the beholder. Uh Take note, I don't have Shake Shack, but I mean, these these names are things that that won over time, and I could understand and grasp why a value investor uh, could have them, which will surprise people, which might surprise people. Um, uh, if you're buying, example, um, Kellogg's today, that's a value play. But in a way, notice that my value is dependent on growth. This concept is similar to your uh, true blue Warren Buffett disciple, like Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett didn't pay like a cigar butt pricing for Coca-Cola when they bought this out about 20 years ago. During that time at the 1980s, Coca-Cola was already the number one brand in the USA with the best commercials, the best brands. It, it wasn't as if it was nobody. You mean... What I'm saying is, that was already the leader, the market share leader. Now, what's happening is that if you don't have a competition or your competition, in this case, it was Pepsi, um, if you were obliterating your competition in a fast manner, then it was worth it to pay a premium to you. And uh, so, so I mean, what I'm saying is, um, Slack has, has a problem because they're not the only guys who are doing this work collaboration platform. In the end, they are displacing email to us to an extent that email is very rudimentary when you are really doing a job that requires more than just a back and forth communication. What if I need to share a simple uh, document or receipts or logistic-related um, supplies. You know, there are more things for us to work and collaborate together that I need more tools. And Facebook Messenger is not going to do that for me. Facebook has Facebook Work, by the way. I think they have a Facebook Workplace. Microsoft has Microsoft Teams, which is gaining steam. Uh, and that's the biggest question of people. What if Microsoft Teams is so good that it displaces Slack at their own game. Like example, um, Instagram just cloned Snapchat before and look what happened, Instagram won. So the question here is, if Microsoft Teams is so good, can it kill Slack? That's the rhetoric of the bears. Uh, I don't know, that's why I'm, I'm, I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, my biggest bullish case for Slack has nothing to do with the valuation. My biggest bullish case for Slack is the ramp up of subscribers, the customers liking the product, telling the other suppliers, telling the other customers, making it viral because, you know, there is a $35 billion sales opportunity in here for productivity suite. And you are just hitting $600 million sales 
this year coming from $1 million about five years ago. And I think that this parabolic move of SLAP hasn't even reached the tip of the iceberg. And so I look at the market cap. If I pay a $10 billion market cap here, I'm paying 15 times price to sale of, um, of the current. But I can see that this company can go from $600 million to about two to $3 billion sales, even if Microsoft's team is there, even if. So, I mean, it's like, it's a simple question of, do you think that the person who bought Netflix when it was a billion dollar market cap with less than 2 million subscribers, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Were they value investors? And I'll tell you what. Because I listen so much to Rule Breaker, uh, you do know I listen to the podcast of David Gardner. And I try to study, like, how would this guy um, interpret that him buying Netflix at a billion-dollar market cap with less than 2 million subscribers be such a value? Well, you know, during that time, and he bought this at about 2003, and he kept on adding, by the way, I think 2006, 2003, around that level, he was buying Netflix. This was a time when it was still, Netflix was still just displacing Blockbuster. You know, the DVDs, the CDs, you know, it, it was just a distribution play. Uh, Netflix was disrupting its, itself. In Slack's case, it's disrupting emails. Um, if I want to work with you and send pictures to you, if I attach those mail stuff, you know, it's hard. It takes time. You know, do you really want me to collaborate and work with you through email, or should we just use Slack? And Slack has a lot of ways to earn money. Subscription, digital advertising, do you know that the average Slack user spends 9 to 10 hours inside Slack? That's a lot. That's a lot of eyeballs, 10 hours. I could just put an OTT there, an over-the-top advertising, and I could make as much as a billion dollars if I wanted to. That's how the game plan of Facebook was, right? Because you were spending around 2 to 3 hours in Facebook, just watching new seeds of your friends. So, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm right with Zach, but the compelling business opportunities makes me believe in it, which is why I treat a small position there as maybe this is a moonshot bet or what. But I want the business, and I'd like to see how this game plays out in the end. And that end is probably three years in the making or five years in the making. My time horizon here is really different. When I say that I'm not a trader, I really mean it. I really invest. I have like, what, 30-plus companies? When I like to trade, how do I do it? I oversize that bet. If, for instance, I have five names in one sector, wouldn't you think that is actually a speculative bet? Because that's 
five companies in one simple trend. Like owning Netflix, Disney, AT&T, Roku, Talaria, aren't those five companies all betting that the connected TV revolution is still early in a bigger scale rather than just thinking U.S.? Because Netflix has an 80% penetration rate in USA. But how much has Netflix handled the international expansion rate? How much? Well, you know, internationally, Netflix has been growing. Uh, I think we're hitting at about 20 plus to 100% growth. Let me check the numbers again. But here's the thing, how many people in the Philippines alone, or in Indonesia, or in China, I mean, okay, maybe not China, because China has their own Netflix, but why not? I mean, who cares? You know, they might be using a VPN and watching Netflix shows uh, on the side. I'm not saying that they're using some platform, but who knows, maybe they are. Um, because they want to watch original shows and, you know, people could do whatever they want. They could use VPN and still use Facebook and Netflix in China. Of course you can. If you like a product, there are ways to do it. Um, All we're saying here is that, to me, buying Netflix at a $165 billion market cap it's not too expensive. Maybe I could buy it at a $150 billion market cap. Maybe I can buy it at a $100 billion market cap. You know, the person like a David Gardner who bought at a billion dollar market cap when Netflix was just there and kept adding and adding and adding, even if it was just one. You know, that 1% became a 100-bagger. We're talking about more than 100 times of your money. Your $1 is $100. I like to study the people who did this. People who, you know, you don't make much credentials in my book if you bought Netflix and made 5% or 50% or 100%. That doesn't matter to me. But you're a different animal in my legendary stock investors group. If you could have done it again and again and again. You're not a one-trick pony. David Gardner is a different investing legend all in himself. Netflix, Amazon, ISRG, even Planet Fitness just three years ago. I tried to think. What did this guy think? How did he do that? You know, some names are as simple as Starbucks. This is the guy who has about 50 stocks in his portfolio. Some of the names are 100x, 50x names. Well, the rest, whoa, even if he fails, even if he fails, and he himself tells you around 50% of his names would fail. Okay, so his batting average is not really 
a high percentage. But he knows one thing. He keeps his winners and runs them really, really high. And in his game, if I'm wrong, the maximum loss that I could ever make is 99%. Now, you might say, I'm not willing to lose 99% of my money. I could always put a stop loss at 20%, right? So, I mean, all I'm saying is that David Gardner has his strengths and he has his weaknesses. Because you don't, uh, but, but one of his strengths, of course, is that he's so patient. He can have 25% drawdowns, which I think will shock any investor or any trader in the world. But, um, so, all I'm saying is that, you know, to each their own. Because, did you see how Netflix moves? Netflix went from 400 to 200 bucks. And went to 400 again. So, like, the volatility at these stages, when you're in a Disney competition, war mode, you could say, shock, sell a bit. And I think, um, you know, it's different. It's different. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to improve his system. Um, that's why you can't really come up with just being a David Gardner copycat. You can't be a clone. You cannot clone people. You are yourself. You are yourself. Um, I've seen investors that I'd love to emulate, but, you know, I'm not like them. I've seen investors have three concentrated positions three names only and i tell myself damn i'm not gonna be like this guy this guy has so much both you know warren buffett makes a concentrated position even at a 200 billion dollar portfolio oh my god if he's wrong in apple he's dead meat but that, that's how he is i couldn't be him and i don't want to be him you don't want to be someone else. You want to be yourself. You want to invest properly. I don't mind if you have like 25% position. You want to copy Warren Buffett having a 25% position in Apple. You want to copy Berkshire Hathaway. You do your own. I mean, Bill Gates has 50% concentration on Berkshire Hathaway. That's him. Would you? I'm not sure. I I just look at it and, okay, so that's when you like. What else is he big in? Waste management. Waste management because he was, you know, he was trying to save the world. And he saved the world by solving malaria, by solving polio, by solving diarrhea. Children dying of diarrhea. Can you imagine? They were drinking very, very, very bad water. And so the children couldn't get past five years old. When he solved the water sanitation problem, it made complete sense why he would have a very huge position in waste management or Ecolab. You know, trucks that haul trash or companies that sanitize water businesses. Those kinds of names. All I'm saying is that 
I'm not such an environmentalist, but I can understand, wow, yeah, that's such a great business. Recession, wars, peace, you gotta, you gotta hold those trash. You gotta pick up that trash and do something with it. Waste can turn to energy, have drinking water. Uh, I think like what you love about the market is that there's an investor, there's a trader. And traders are great. It's just that you could, if you know for yourself deep down that you're not a good speculator, that you don't fancy looking 100 charts or 1,000 charts, if you do not fancy that, you shouldn't strictly put yourself in a box trying to trade. But this doesn't mean that you cannot have discipline. What, you think you have a great idea and that's going to make you billions or millions? No. You don't live with one Coca-Cola. You don't make your money with just Apple. The best investors, in my view, have about 30 ideas at the very least. And these 30 ideas are not concentrated bets. Those could be 30 different technologies. Or maybe five secular trends. Maybe they're betting on a one big trend. That trend is 5G. That other trend is artificial intelligence, automation, and all the companies that work well in that. Maybe that trend is international expansion. The Chinese are getting richer every single day and the companies that benefit from it. Those are five, ten secular trends that it's very, very hard to not see. Those things are something like electric cars. Who's going to benefit in electric cars? Is there a way for me to bet that's not Tesla? In a cheaper manner, can I bet on the plant meat, plant meat industry without having to buy a $10 billion overvalued beyond meat? Is there a way for me to do this? I think that's what you have to think. Like, I made money on a plant meat trend, but look, I know that it's also impossible for Beyond Meat, neither impossible food, to grow to that $10 billion market cap. Sure, you've got so many partners and the people love you, but how much can I pay a premium for that? Are you going to pay a premium, like 100 times price to sales? Are you willing to really do that? I mean, I'm not saying that they're wrong fundamentally. It's just that it's so hard. Is it a greater fool theory now? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, that's why I'm hard-pressed to sell companies that are disruptors. Because I can see their, you know, I can see them probably growing to that future. Maybe I'm paying for that future that's 10 years down the road. So maybe I'm too early and that could also be wrong. Uh, that's why at a certain point, I said to myself, you know, even before Beyond Meat hit $10 billion market cap, I said to myself, you know, um, at a billion dollar market cap IPO, I'm a buyer, but a $10 billion, no way. So 25 to 250 that's it. But can it be a $5 billion company? Should I pay for it at 125 I'm not sure. What I'm thinking of is, is this the best idea? Probably not. What if I could buy 
for instance, a Kellogg that's just $30 billion or $20 billion market cap. You know, Kellogg's is $20 billion market cap, right? And the beauty about Kellogg's is that they have $3.4 billion sales in a quarter. I think this company is trading at about less than two times price the sales. This company has some really growth companies inside. I mentioned RX Bar, the RX Nutrition Bars. RX Nutrition Bars was an acquisition of a $600 million by Kellogg's two years ago, three years ago, 2016. They helped this highest growing uh, health bar trend to go from a million dollars to $200 million in sales so far. We're talking about just USA. We're not even talking about, have you even eat, did you even eat that RX bar? You probably didn't. Have you even heard about the Arlex Oats? You probably only know Quaker Oats. So, I mean, there's a lot of levers here. Uh, and, of course, we know by spring 2020, Kellogg's is introducing their own plant meat nuggets. Um, and Morningstar Farms has been the number one veggie, you know, veggie patty burger in USA. And it's just trading as an undemanding 13 times multiple. All I'm saying is that there are so many ways to play a trend, and you don't necessarily have to buy the it boy or the poster child. You don't have to buy a Tesla just to play this electric trend. And I believe the best way is really the battery makers. Uh, it's just that the battery makers is not listed. Daimler owns that battery maker, and he hasn't spun it off. He hasn't. If I want that subsidiary, I've got to buy Daimler, which I don't want to. So, I can't play that trend. For instance, if I want to play the Beyond Meat, I could just buy Purit, P-U-R-I-S, the P. You know, every burger there is made of P, peas, okay? That plant meat has to you know, what's inside, it's peas, green peas, and a lot of other veggies, but a lot of peas. So Puris, P-U-R-I-S, it's, it's such a great investment in, in that story, but it's not listed. Who owns it? The name is General Mills, G-I-F, and um, I think Conagra Foods, oh, wait, 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 no, 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 not, uh, there was an early buyer of Purit. I think it was Cargill and General Mills, GIS. So there's a lot of levers. Uh, however, I'm wrong. I, I'm, I'm a bit late. I didn't study GIS before, General Mills. But I think it's outperformed 50% this year. And maybe if it pulls back, if it gives me an entry, why not? General Mills has a lot of really, really good brands inside. General Mills, I think, bought Ben & Jerry's. And I can expand and explain so many good food groups with high growth inside. So I do believe that I'm buying value, but I want to buy great businesses because that great valuation today, it can grow. It can grow to that valuation. 
um, if you see a company going $50 billion someday, and it's just trading at a $500 million sales today, um, if there is a path, you probably want to check it out. Uh, the risks are there. That's why you don't like going all in or what. But you put like 1% to 2% weight, probably 3%, probably 5%. It depends. It depends on you. I mean, but I think that's a viable business. As long as you can understand the business model, there are metrics. It's not always about net income. You have to look the customers, the products, the usual stuff. It's still traditional. It's still a traditional economy after all. Uh, just applied in a different way. So think about those things. What if you were a top graduate of this Stanford University? Where do you think their top grads will work? If they're going to this engineering company solving the problem of gene gene mapping, uh, I think there is a technology right now called CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R. What they do is the XY chromosome, if this, if this child, you have to tweak that gene to be not, um, to be not, allergic to peanut butter, for instance, or for this person not to have, um, you know, to, to be immune of a certain whatever. The technology is already there. Um, it's too new. And honestly speaking, um, I think there are about three to four companies doing that. I didn't ever explain this trend because uh, it's in the periphery of those trends that I want to invest in. But I do listen from time to time about this because I think there's a technology movement about gene mapping and gene editing, and it's already happening. Um, you know, if if you can make your child, which is supposed to be mongoloid, if that's fetus, if I could, you know, if I could save that child, why not? And that's what some of the best minds in the world are doing. And I think um, if you think about it, like Memphis Meats, for instance, Memphis Meats is lab-grown meat. If I could prevent so much about environmental hazards, because all of them are saying that it takes a long time in the cost of the environment to produce that steak which you love, and we're talking about 7 billion people here, okay, so at some point in time, there will be more people than animals, and we can't all eat steak, but we want to eat steak. So how are we going to solve that problem? So, you know, there are technologies that would solve these things. Nobody in the right mind before thought that you could turn waste, your literal shit, into drinking water. Because waste can turn to energy, and the steam is enough to have drinking water. That's the omniprocessor. Bill Gates solved it. Well, not him. He funded some engineers to solve it, and they solved it, and that helped a million kids not to die in India. So, like, his, his hammer is technology to solve the world's problems, but this guy's hammer also has funding. So, to me, I hope that Berkshire Hathaway 
make such great investments because it will make the world a better place. Because with Bill Gates' capacity to turn that billions to solutions that would save lives, that's a great world to live in. And I'll pay for that innovation if I could. It's just that, you know, I couldn't. So, okay, so I'll just follow you guys. And, you know, I just love you. That's it. That's all. 